There she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa, she's ready to go to the stars. This is the 300th episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Its mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce, loving sweetie Stomper. This is John, Moonlight Minty Slasher. This is Blix, Prancing Cupcake Death. And this is Trav, Rainbow Sweetie Slasher. And this is Rich, Rainbow Minty Bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast... Of bringing pretty, pretty ponies to the world as everybody wants. But making them into horrible homicidal maniacs. Ah. You're going to die, Wilbur. (laughs) This week we are reviewing Richard's game, Murder Hoof. Which, you know, is a parody of the uh, My Little Pony genre or... Uh, a, a title or intellectual property, whatever we're going to say. But it's a parody, so it's okay. And that parody came out with miniatures, which yes. you can get from the TriTac website, tritacgames.com. Uh, how many miniatures are they? And the one with about 20 possible conversions. And what scale would you say it was? They're about a 27. 27 millimeters tall? Um, what the, uh, basically, yeah. All right, so about twice, you know, your old-type D&D miniatures. So uh, what, we're gonna, what we are going to do is, like we have been doing for a number of prior podcasts, we are going to be reviewing uh, this uh, supplement that he's put out. Uh, this, uh, uh, I, from what you've written, Richard, it uh, says that this was a uh, module you ran, a fringeworthy module you ran at a convention. So- yes, it was. Um, it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> was it like a dark and stormy night? What do you mean? Uh, well, no, 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 no. The, uh, the fringeworthy went into the world and basically got their butt shot off. And said, that's enough of that, and left. Well, yeah, because in in Portals 3, one of the worlds, and it's a prime, is the Happy Horse Meadows. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you get eight portals of fun on that node, friends, let me tell (laughs) you. And be careful with what you wish for, because it was nothing like they wished for. Oh. We have a world... Uh, an alternate or our own, depending upon how you want to view it, depending upon what game you want this associated with, or unless you want it just all by itself. Uh, everything's fine and dandy, at least as far as the first world is concerned. Uh, and all of a sudden, all these portals start appearing, and pretty, pretty ponies start prancing their way out of the portals. And everyone's like, "Look at them! They're sparkling, and they're and they're happy, and they would they're talking about love and peace, and everything is wonderful." And all the little children run to them, you know, and, and say, "Oh, pretty pony! I want to be with the pretty ponies." And what happens, Trap? Everything goes to H-E double hockey sticks in a handbasket. <laughs> <laughs> they get mowed down with uh, 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 with shotguns, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and needless to say, a lot of illusions are shattered that day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's... Uh, why are the ponies hurting us? Why can't we just be friends? 
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does it go from friendship is magic to friendship is tragic? Yes. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. Silly humans, you are an inferior species that deserves death for your treatment of this earth. They are, apparently they are echo warriors. They've come to punish us, uh, much like the um, a remake of... Uh, Day the Earth Stood Still. The Day the Earth, I was going to say, this island earth. No, the Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, Yes, uh, we are being punished for our mistreatment of the Earth, and humanity must go, apparently. So, uh, what uh, what prompted this, Richard? What uh, what was your... Uh, yeah, was this another dream of yours? Uh, no, this was a... We created the miniature... Just for the pure fun of it, it's it looks more like a centaur than a pony, but it's got a lot of the pony characteristics. And uh, then we thought about it, and we said, you know, how would this work out? How would this be a game? It could be a fun, happy game for younger children. Nah, let's do something else with it. Right. Too many bronies. Right, because what we find out in uh, is that the pretty, pretty ponies are actually an illusion. A glamour. When you get close enough to them, a glamour, yes, uh, they, they, they actually see them as they truly are, which is a kind of a centaur and uh, wielding uh, guns and knives and other types of things like that. Based on the, based on the miniature, they're dual-wielding uh, shotguns. Absolutely. Horses are big critters. I mean, these may be ponies, but they don't mean, it doesn't mean they're necessarily small, small ponies. Peter. Why don't they get taken care of by the uh, local law enforcement, considering they're, the, you know, or at least, you know, the army or whoever, you know. I mean, why do they continue to be more than a uh, horrible, horrible tragedy that's easily dealt with? I don't know. <laughs> okay, a force field technology. Ah, okay. Yeah, I haven't read this this thing yet. It deflects bullets and gas. Ah, okay. Basically, anything gets deflected away from them as long as it doesn't have some kind of inertia and is moving relatively slowly. It reminds me of the slow field that was used in Dune. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, it reminds me of the, it also the, the reminds, Dune force fields. It also reminds me of an episode of Farscape, Lava is a Many Splendored Thing, the Tarkin Energy Shield. Energy Shield, Energy Blasts, Pulse pistols bounce right off. You could sneak up behind that person wearing that shield device around their neck, and it sits at chest level, bash their head in with a rock because it's slower kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. The shield doesn't work. So that's what. As soon as I read about the shield, that's what it reminded me of. It says that you got to get in close and personal with the combat, and that's when the reference to the Tarkin energy shield reminded me. Yeah, actually, because I was reading about shotguns, shotguns actually turn out to be similar to effective, uh, but only because unless you use slugs. So it seems that the shot itself will go through, which is probably why the ponies uh, or the murder hoofs are using shotguns. Because is it is it both ways, Richard? Yeah, um, it, uh, it's their weapons are probably designed to do a very momentary hole in the shield or the slugs okay. themselves. All right. Yeah, I think that the reason that the shotguns are very effective, John, is because they just do a lot of damage if you get close enough to uh, the barrel. The end of the barrel gets close enough to actually, you know, trigger it. Um, because I mean, this shield that's around them, um, it uh, extends out ten feet. It starts around three feet away, but it's, but you really can't do anything unless you are within two feet of the actual side of the the pony. Now, is this a donut, Richard, or is it a um, uh, a, a hollow sphere? A half sphere. Okay, so it's it's, it's a hemisphere that uh, that uh, stops at the ground. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so a landmine would work. Yes. Well, it, if it was in the middle, yeah. I mean, but if it was anywhere else, so if they stepped on a landmine, right? Because that would be directly under them. Yes. And, and it wouldn't be and it wouldn't be very messy because they would be vaporized within the explosive field. 
Oh, that would be pretty. (laughs) It would be pretty, wouldn't it? You know, all those little droplets suspended in space. And then the thing, the the thing shorts out, everything goes flop to the ground. But, you know. (laughs) Oh, that would be awesome. And you get that, you get that scene from, uh, uh, from under the dome that they kept repeating again and again and again. It's like, hi, we're not a family friendly show. See this? <laughs> Bossy goes bye bye. Yeah. Um, that poor yeah. cow. Yes. Every <laughs> week that cow died again. It says the force field extends from three feet from the pony to ten feet and is controlled by a wearable item such as a piece of decorative clothing. And it also gives them their illusion of being a cute pony. But once you get past that field, sort of a two-handed gaunt centaur. So so you get within 10 feet, the illusion disappears. There's a way, as a GM, you can play with this. Because, um, not that I would know of myself, but uh, Hasbro does put out small little My Pony figurines about the right scale. You put them on the board. Oh, look, pretty ponies. And when they get close enough, you replace them with the actual manager from TriTech Games, available on our website. And uh, there they are. <laughs> yes, and being 10 feet away from the mouth of a, of a shotgun is not a good place to be. <laughs> no, no. Yep. And, and these aren't just like, you know, murdering uh, medieval hordes here, okay? Like, they're, they actually are highly technological, because, A, first of all, they've got the magic force field device on them. But they also co-opt our, our information network uh, almost immediately and uh, start sending out messages about how ponies are nice and let's be friends and all this stuff like that. And I guess they, they suppress all the bad news, the truth about themselves. So they have, so they have a PR department as well. Gotcha. Yeah, and they produce a TV show for that kids, you know, kids and adults fall fall in love with. Peter, why don't you read the ten fundamental rules dealing with ponies? The ten fundamental page one. Page okay, I'm gonna go back up. All right, the ten fundamental rules. (laughs) Rule one: kill them. Rule two: friendship is useless. Rule three: keep killing them. Rule four. Cute is not always a good thing. Rule five, if they surrender, kill them. Rule six, they will eat your children. Rule seven, hey, they will eat your pets. Rule eight, they torture horses. Rule nine, they use babies for sports. And rule 10, vegan brains are the tastiest. Yes, these ponies are are, uh, not herbivores. They are carnivores. Sound like zombie, zombie, zombie ponies. Brains. Well, zombies eat for no good reason, mostly. <laughs> they actually eat, you know, for survival, but they kill us for sport. They have a, a quote right underneath that. Silly humans, you are an inferior species that deserves death for your treatment of this earth. Happy purple liver gutter. <laughs> yep. Lovely name. They all have these these three part names that uh, and they, which they can uh, elaborate on if they wish. But they all have and there's a, a handy chart in the game that allows you to create the names for your killer ponies, your murder hooves. So uh, now, I, I mean, I'm assuming that there is just a load of these guys. I mean, the, these because they seem to pretty much demolish humanity pretty fast so these portals are appearing everywhere and these guys are pouring through now that doesn't mean that they necessarily come from multiple 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 locations on their own world Um, I suspect they probably come from one place with hundreds if not thousands of portals and soldiers charging through so um, and they're not above um, you know uh, wearing armor when when we start uh, start fighting back they actually uh, start showing tactics and other things like that. It's only at the beginning that they seem to be just kind of, you know, uh, freebooting it. You know, just just running through, you know, uh, you know, like uh, guys covered in woad. You know, the the berserker gang type guys. At later on, they I think they actually armor up and uh, it gets serious about the uh, pacification of our planet. 
I'm looking at the two the two characters, Amy Wilson and Annihilation Flanks. Amy Wilson uh, is uh, basically the player character, you know, Richard's example, and uh, she. Uh, Though she's a pretty awesome player character since she was a special forces captain who opened a cake shop in karate studio. You know, this this reminds me of so many um uh uh yeah, Japanese uh science fiction films I've seen. So so she's the American Mr. Miyaki. Okay. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, right, yeah. Um and then uh uh apparently uh they uh uh ransacked her place. So she got her mat on and decided to bring it back to the ponies. I have to say, after reading this, and I've even mentioned this to Richard before, I would know there's folks out there who would buy this and go, play humans? No, no, no. I'm going to play a murder hoof. I mean, be honest. There's people, there's people out there who would say, we want to play this from the other side. The, uh, from the other side. Trust me on this one. There's games out there. There are there's several. There are lots of parody role playing games and unofficial role playing games for for the pony phenomenon. This is the this is I would call middle a middle level one. I mean, there, someone has done Fallout Equestria, which is Ooh. far worse than anything we're doing here. <laughs> uh, you mean uh, murder ponies in the Fallout universe? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mur- murder ponies. I like that. Murder ponies <laughs> versus murder hobos. Right. Right. Exactly. That's why I said it. Yeah. I, I would. I would. I would imagine people wanting to play the murder hosts in this game. I know it's we we wrap it around the humans, but yeah. I mean, people always play our games differently than we intend, don't they, Richard? <laughs> oh, they sure do. Yeah. Well, if if they did, okay, if, if, let's let's go with your idea here, John. If they decide to play the ponies. Okay, uh, what uh, uh, what would be the the adventures that it would go on? Oh, I mean, like you said, they, they, you know, they ha- even though they get those those fields, people, you know, humans figure out how to get past them. So part of the things that they need, there are certain goals you have to hit because you know, humans are, as you look at the timeline, the humans are rallying, so they need to be able to figure out some, somehow to you know get get around these these stupid humans. You know, especially if you're playing like year three or year four. Well, the the ponies seem to have a a, a secret, not so secret weapon here, John, and that is is that most of them apparently can fly. Yes. Okay, I'm not. Can all of them fly, Richard? Probably not. Well, it's just the reason I ask is because you gave four examples, and three of the four could fly, and one of them didn't have wings. So I just wondered. So, do, do you have to have wings in order to fly? Um, yes. Okay. Well, then we need to put some wings on that puppy. I'm sorry, that horsey. Oh, the <laughs> stomper, yeah. Actually, two of them, the veteran and the stomper, both neither one have wings. While the flyer has razor wings, and the trooper and the trooper doesn't, but the trooper, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's three, you know, four basic character types. John, the trooper has wings on it. It's the stomper that doesn't have wings, but it says it can. No, no, I said, I said the veteran doesn't have. Right. I should know. I made. I, I created these characters. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, these, 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 the, the pictures. I made the pictures. Oh dear God! It's credited here too, folks. Pony art, John folks. <laughs> you know, with their ability to fly. Unlike humans, when they get swarmed by zombies, uh, when the humans try to swarm the ponies, they fly up in the air, and now their force fields are... Well, I don't know about that, Richard. They obviously become spherical. Okay, then they become spherical. Thank you. Because, I was going to say, is it, are we suddenly like looking up the skirts here? Is it not actually very... I mean, they fly away, but it's not actually effective? Okay, great. They turn spherical when they do that. Great. So, um, anyways... Uh, so that makes them pretty darn um, hard to hurt at that point. They got some pretty sneaky weapons in order to uh, to get them. I, I did like the death from above uh, tactic that Amy used. And I was thinking when I was thinking of all these flying, I was saying, man, they could really do the death from above because uh, the stompers especially, they just, you know, a horse dropping, I don't know, 10 feet, you know, on top of somebody. 
you know, you're, there's there's not much nothing much left but mush at that point. Yeah, especially if they're wearing, uh, you know, if they land on all four hooves on you. <laughs> oh yeah, that force field. If it's up, yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, that would Which, be like just yeah, you're getting hit by like you know a jet. So yeah, I could see them if they come down and just do a death from above, like a peregrine falcon, you know, because peregrine falcons can go what's the downward controlled flight, like two hundred twenty miles an hour. Yeah, if these ponies come down and just, you know, dive bomb you. Oh yeah, you're done. You're nothing but like free floating atoms and component parts. <laughs> yeah, it's Switch. just so. Yeah, so that, that's that's a, definitely a tactic I would expect the ponies to use. Um, and of course, having these guys would also provide a lot of of support for the ones who can't fly. And so, if you can't fly, then I would. If it was me doing it, I would. The, those guys would be my heavy troopers because you know that's that would be the 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 why they can't fly. Well, yeah, the veteran here it says uh, high armor, uh, shotgun and sword, and they're fast on the ground. So you know you, you give them a lot of armor. So even if you can hit them, you've got to get through all that. And I, and these are horses, so they can wear barding. Yeah, yeah. And they're smart horses, too, so they can wear things that actually wrap around their legs and provide them with underbelly support, you know, support and, and protection. So there's no reason why these guys, these, the other thing they don't have is, um, is hands. I, oh, yes, I'm sorry, they do have hands because they're actually the other kind. So I guess they'd have to help each other out because, I mean, they are centaurs, but, you know, a centaur trying to reach underneath your belly Man, they must have like like four or five extra um, lumbar vertebrae there, Richard, in order to be able to twist around and reach underneath themselves and, and take care of stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey now, <laughs> we're talking po- pretty ponies hey, man. here. You got an itch? You got to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why you have good friends. <laughs> Unrelated. <laughs> Has anybody watched the anime uh, "A Normal Life with Monster Girls"? Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. I started to. It is so good, uh, but they have um, uh, a centaur girl. Okay, who's uh, a very attractive. But the problem was, is that uh, when she goes out swimming, she had to actually wear uh, a bathing suit around her front legs because due to the way that the muscles bunch around the front of the horse if she didn't do that it looked like she was bottomless ah hmm. it was a kind of a funny thing where it, it showed her saying this is perfectly okay but it doesn't look okay so she had to wear a three-piece bathing suit because all, all three sets of well both sets of legs and and, uh, and her top had to be covered up to to match human expectations. Was it Vance? Oh, I'm trying to remember which uh, who it was. It had actually um, it had centaurs on Titan's moon. I can't. Was it was it Vance? John Varley. John Varley. Yes, uh, Varley ponies. The the Titan series had to wear bikinis in front. Well, that was different. They actually had they had double sets of of uh, sex organs. Yeah. <laughs> They had uh, the male in the back and the female in the front. Or vice versa. Or, yeah, all over the place. Yeah. But the point was still that they had both, so they had to wear stuff like that, right? But in this case, I'm saying it's an interesting visual illusion that because of the way that, that horses are built in front, that a centaur girl, you know, a centaur top on a horse actually causes that illusion. So, but anyways, uh, I'm sure that these uh, ponies... Uh, they're they're so monstrous. Uh, once you get close to them, I doubt anybody cares about that sort of thing. Yeah. So Richard, well, yeah, on the website we have uh, Trevor Bennett, who actually helped name the murder or uh, name the murder hoofs. Uh, he did the he did some beautiful and spectacular paint jobs on the miniatures, which are on the website. Mm. Oh, so Richard, what do you have against Gary, Indiana? <laughs> a lot of things. 
uh, if he's interested, because they also found out the the pony, the well, the murder hoofs of uh, force fields are also nuke proof, at least one kiloton nukes. Right. Well, basically anything that uh, is has any kind of acceleration to it is going to get stopped by that. So, and apparently it's also proof against fallout because that would settle slowly. I wonder. Um, I wonder how have you seen because you've seen the, this is something they use for um, uh, the Marines have used and the armed force and police have used in some cases is that uh, sticky foam they use for crowds. I wonder if you were, if you were to start hosing them down with that sticky foam, would that you know it would drape all over the over the dome, but it would start collecting at the bottom and forming a connection to the ground. I don't know. You might be able to you know foam them up and they'd be stuck inside their dome. Right. Well, it'd be a lot, though, because horses are strong. So, But you're right. I mean, you spray it over the top of the dome, and it would slowly settle down. You could also throw nets and other things like that over top of them, and it would slowly settle down over them if you had them hedged in where they couldn't run away from it. So, Richard, as, as they walk, do they push dirt and dust around in front of them with their dome? Or does it pass um, on? No. Caltrops. Whoever said the landmines, yeah, they work. They would be working fine with them. Okay, it'd be one of the best you know uh, uh, methods we'd have of taking them out because you know. But you have to make sure that they go where the landmines are. Yeah, basically that means somebody has to be bait. Oh, that'd be the new guy. Send him. Because <laughs> yeah. if they're it, because if it goes off three feet away, it has no effect. Cluster munitions. Yeah, down down near corridor lined with uh, with uh, k- uh, claymores. <laughs> but that wouldn't work either, John. No, no, no. no. If it's if it's under if it's basically just wide enough for it to fit down. If you can get them in that narrow of an area, you can just drop a rock on them. Yeah. Let's see, claymores. You make sure you you know you get more with the claymore. <laughs> Anyway, so the humans, uh, you, you, pretty much I can imagine that, that at the beginning, the humans, uh, their tactics, they, once they saw that the guns didn't work, I mean, how long do you think it was, Richard, before anybody figured out that you could actually kill them if you were close enough to them? Probably, probably a few months. Because it says the first six months they pretty much ran around, you know, in a you know with with a, a joyful abandon because nothing was stopping them, and that after uh, and after a year, they humanity began to actually start fighting back. So uh, that would be uh, uh, some time for them to figure out some tactics and then disseminate them. I mean, uh, human uh, and humanity is basically you know at this point. Are they destroying, um, I mean, I would assume that they'd also be destroying everything that supports humanity, destroying our water, you know, our water plants, uh, our uh, power generators, all that kind of stuff, right? More than likely, or dismantling it all. Now, you do mention that not every human, there's 5% of the population never got touched. The ponies, the, the murder hoofs just ignored them, you know. So it, it, that's you know, and trouble is that it, it, as Richard pointed out, most of these folks, however, were, were cowards. So that could be one reason right there. <laughs> well, no, it's it said five percent of them were touched and ten percent of them were immune. So I think that that's acts. I mean, unless you meant something different, Richard, I, I thought that meant that of the five percent that they didn't bother to kill, ten percent actually were somehow. You know, either they couldn't see them or they just, there's something about them that kept them from attacking them. So that's 10% of 5%. So that's 0.05%. And more than than likely, the the ponies might be able to see them, but those people could see through their disguises easily. Ah. Oh, that's the kind of immunity you're talking about. Okay. The illusion didn't affect them. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't get that. All right. Fine. All right. Yeah. So they saw. So so in a crowd of a thousand people, five of them screamed when they saw the ponies. <laughs> yep. And all the little kids beat them, saying, "No, don't say bad things about the pretty ponies." <laughs> oh yeah. 
says, uh, um, even the first, it, apparently during the first week, nobody believed that the evasion was going on. And, uh, and the people got herded into safety zones, which were actually slaughter zones. <laughs> and don't forget the quizlings. The bronies. The bronies. <laughs> uh, Trav, you want to talk about the bronies? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, let's see here. Low scene Yeah, okay. I see how this goes. Yeah. Uh, bronies. Many dressed as ponies and surrendered. Those who survived after the laughter were glued into their costumes and put into a mind control harness that turns their brains to jello. They are then used for distraction or cannon fodder often found with bunnies when extracted and de-harnessed, they will hate the ponies and probably become Trekkies. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Oh. Nice. Uh, and then, Chris, the next, next thing is brony infestations. We're talking about the people who really, really love ponies to the point in which they're literally going to dr- dress up as ponies. Okay, it's, it's you know, they're, they're essentially, you know, uh, a severe cosplay. And then the ponies actually glue them into their costumes and make them wear them all the time. Wait a minute. Glue them? Yeah. We all know what glue is generally made from, right? (laughs) What are they, like hipster ponies? How ironic. (laughs) Well, it says that they attack attack horses on Earth, so they're no respecters of their their lower uh, species cousins. And you know, and not all glue's made. Not all glue is made from you know equine equine. No, 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 no. That's yeah. it's Don't just funny. Well, you're because... not helping me here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's hilarious, uh, Peter. Thanks, you know. But the uh, and and so you know what it really does. Uh, the mind control. It says it turns the brains to jello, but later on it says that what it does is it makes them unable to not accept a command. I'm assuming that means not accept a command from a pony or not accept a command from anybody, Richard. From anybody. Oh, man. You get so much fun with them. It says the control collars, average pony control collars, a one-inch band of Kevlar-like material with a rainbow jewel in the center. It forces bronies to take commands. If the brony manages to pull the collar off, it detonates and removes his, probably his or her head. Surgery can remove the collar with a flat 78% chance of a success to not detonate it. This gives the brony a 60% chance to recover or rejoin humanity. If this fails, they will be institutionalized at a 40% chance of recovery per year. Oh, I'm a little, I'm a little interested in the, in the idea of, of uh, surgery, Richard. I mean, the thing goes around their neck. So... Are you saying that they do some kind of surgical thing t- to allow it to work its way through their neck and come out their side? Are you saying that they're they're dismantling the actual collar? They're dismantling the collar. Oh, okay. Because uh, I had this vision that that they they were slowly doing surgery and like you know cutting nerves and cutting you know uh, blood vessels and then pushing them around and reattaching them on the other side of the collar and slow. I mean, imagine when you get to the spine, it's going to really suck. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> I was oh. you know. I was going to say, you know, they look at it and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen one of these before. Um, looks like we'll have to amputate. Oh, <laughs> yes, exactly. And life is not all uh, cupcakes and, and oatmeal for the bronies. Uh, bronies are held in barbed wire surrounded camps. They are starved. Their pony suits rot and they're infested with bugs and lice. The ponies tell them this is a temporary punishment for being and that they will eventually they will be transformed into real ponies. Hard work will be the key to their freedom. Work makes you free. Uh, many of these totally con- are totally convinced of these lies, and we'll only understand this when they are on the slide of doom. <laughs> I'm assuming that the slide of doom is what sends them on their way to those huge carrion pits you were talked about, right, Richard? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh... Why am I reminded of the old Monty Python skit where the guy... Is desi- he he the the group thinks he's going to design a block of flats or apartments, and it's the slaughterhouse. And as the cow goes down the conveyor with the rotating blades, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a no, very old Python skit, folks. 
Yeah, yeah. I thought I was here to sign a block of flats. Yeah. Now it looks like they're they're not by themselves though. They do have some of their friends from their world: the rats, the bunnies, and the owls. Peter, tell us about the rats. The rats are the eyes of the ponies in covert operations. A few have defected humanity as the food is better. So wait a minute. So how, <laughs> how, how, how big are these rats? I mean, we're talking like regular size rats. Right. Well, they could be wharf size rats too. Right. Yeah. Do they look just like rats? Yeah. Yep. But they can can they talk and stuff? Yes. Okay. All right. So we're talking about fully sentient sapient rather <laughs> sapient rats. So what do they think of our rats? Um, lower life forms like chimpanzees. Oh, okay. I was gonna say soup is good food. Yeah. So they, <laughs> so they. Um, I wouldn't marry one. Right. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> uh, are a little <laughs> like the rats in Fringeworthy. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm liking these bunny bombers. Yeah, aren't they great? Because they don't really. Um, um, when you say they're mindless, fuzzy machines, are are you? you I mean, are they actually, like, biological, or are they actually, like, little robots? No, they're biological. They're they're rabbits. Okay, but these don't have any intelligence. They're just, you know, they just, you just point, the the, the ponies just point them in, in the right direction, and they go. They Bunny go. bombers. Bunny bombers. Small, cute, and deadly with the force of a brick of C4. They are Ooh. mindless, fuzzy machines programmed to serve their pony masters. Find them later in the war in the ward in the city areas. They love children. So, um, just just for reference, Richard, uh, how how much damage does a uh, does a brick of C four do? Oh, enough to vaporize your car into small chunks. <laughs> a car? Okay. Oh, yeah. it'll blow the water out of your swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Blix would know this. Yeah. Consider- <laughs> If it detonated on the street, okay, how far away would you have to be from it to be safe from? Oh God! Uh, you know, uh, you know. Actually, probably a, a couple of hundred feet with something in between. It would br- it would uh, blow out the windows, awnings. No, uh, watching MythBusters because uh, okay. they've done they use C four many a times. A block of C four. You, uh, you, if you, if you were behind something or inside, inside a car, about forty or fifty feet away, you'd survive. I'm not going to say you're going to like it, but you survive. Oh uh, yeah, you'd get your clock rocked. I'm sure. Yeah. Now, if they are, if, if they crawl into a garbage can full, of, recycling can full of bottles and and, and and beverage cans, that'd be a different oh. thing altogether. <laughs> well, just the garbage can itself is going to shatter into shrapnel and go flying out. Stuff four or five of those bunnies in a trash can and roll them down the road. <laughs> Saboom! <laughs> if if you got a herd of them running at you, is that when you pull out the the holy hand grenade of Antioch? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if a herd of them go after you, the the you know it's best to take one for the team because it'll detonate all the rest of them too, and then there won't be you know. You'll be saving your buddies from the rest of them. Um, now, I'm assuming when you say that they detonate with the force of, uh, of a brick of C4, can you detonate them by just shooting them, by the way? I mean, they're not C4. So how do you detonate them if you want to detonate them? Shoot them. Shoot them. Okay. So they are... The ponies haven't gotten uh, drone technology to, you know, with the four little stimmies and run them down the street <laughs> and then drop them near you. Actually, they do have drone technology. They're called the owls. And it says that they can carry uh, a small bomb, which would be a bunny. (laughs) Right? Uh, Because they're small. You said small. So, therefore, an owl could carry a bunny, drop him, and he goes off. So, uh, that, and, or lands and jump, you know, uh, uh, runs into a nearby building and kaboom. It brings a new meaning to the word guided munition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're sitting there in your bunker going, we're safe. And you see these all swoop down, drop, and then the bunnies go through your through the windows you got to open. <laughs> right. So we can assume that whatever the bunnies see and whatever the owls see, uh, even whatever the rats see, probably uh, gets transmitted in some way back to the ponies. 
Well, I mean, if they've got force field technology, they can do mm-hmm. something to whatever these other animals can see will get transmitted yeah. back. Well, uh, that's why I'm mentioning it because we, you know, we have to keep, you know, I think we have to keep enforcing the idea that even though they're running around using swords and shotguns and such, these are actually very sophisticated technological beings from a, a very technological culture. So yes. there's no limit to the stuff that they can bring out of a portal. And the worst case scenario would be if you were fighting the ponies and you were fighting a heavy uh, assault group, which is four regular assault groups together, but they have the additional equipment required to open a portal. And once that portal is open, anything can come out of it. Yeah. Now, the thing is, though, their tactics, though, looking at his tactics table, they tend to, half the time, they see you, they attack you. And that's their tactics. And if their tactics fail, they see you and attack you um, half the time. So, yeah, I would say it's 75% of the time, they scream and leap, is take a phrase from, from another uh, another another uh, series. Um, it's only, was it, 5% of the time they actually will stop and go, we should think about this first. <laughs> and, then, and then do something. <laughs> Just looking at the table. Uh, otherwise... Uh, and only twenty five percent of the time will they actually do things such as use cover and plan and plan the uh, and plan and do some operations. Well, no, I think I think that that's because you know the the first people you encounter are these assault groups, okay? But if they get taken out, it says pony reinforcement. If they get taken out, then the ne- the ninety percent of the time, what follows is a recon group. Hey, what happened? Hey, what's you know, you know what what happened to our our assault group? And then that gets followed up, you know, by more stuff, you know, because then you get the. So I'm just saying, is that I think that uh, yeah, that they, they they run around, you know, prancing and killing and and doing all kinds of terrible things until they get knocked back, and that's and that's when there's like a. A lull in the storm while they, the ponies figure out what they need to bring to pacify the area, and then it hits the fan. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, you know, in other words, uh, if you're humans attacking ponies, you want to come in, you want to hit hard, and then you want to leave the area. Yep. You know, basically thrust and retreat, thrust and retreat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though I can see this is this is a case where the folks from the SEA go, oh, all right, take their take their battle swords, put them away, go and pull down the ones they actually have that actually they have a have an edge to, and go, we're going to pony hunting. <laughs> you know, I wonder uh, how well because it's, uh, it's it's is it all is it all kinetic action, Richard? It stop stops at the at the. At the force field, or is it high, or is it just high speed kinetic objects? It's high speed force field. Would you consider would you consider a longbow arrow high speed? Yes. Okay. I would I would consider any thrown weapon any. I mean, you. I can't. I, I'm trying to think of something that'd be moving slowly enough. I would say the only thing that I can think of that would be moving slowly enough would be like a spear on top of a um, a cart that you're rolling downhill toward them. Okay, that might be moving slowly enough to go through the field. Well, properly thrown hand grenades are not going. They're not doing 90 miles an hour. They're going to be doing more like 30 or 40 miles an hour. Probably throwing hand grenades, they should just fall right through. Then I don't think so. I think they would. I think they would kind of roll off because the ponies, unless the ponies are, I mean, are are literally stable. You know, now we know that um, uh, Amy jumped on top of one. Yes. In one second, you know, you pick up about uh, sixteen miles per hour uh, falling because um, your your speed at the end of it is is about half of the acceleration per second. So um, so that means that she's a... But she is going straight down under those circumstances. So, I mean, I guess if you were really good about throwing your grenades, 
that you know they would hit and then they would slowly sink in. But um, I don't know. It's uh, it just depends on how that field seems to be pretty mushy. You know, so yeah. Actually, I can see you're doing that. Be dropping actually a death from a bump attack actually would work on these guys because it for one thing the field cushions your fall. You hit the field, you sink on through, you land his back, and you cut his throat. Right. Good idea, John. Mm-hmm. Also, a radio-controlled car, one of the ones that's like a, a, you know, a foot across or larger, could be run slowly with an explosive on it through the field. Yeah, there were some, uh, uh, some movies where they used those for that very reason. I have a question for you, though. If this death from above thing, this is assuming that the pony just doesn't look up and blow you in half with their weapon, right? Right. Okay. Yes. As you're slowly dropping down through the field. Exactly, yeah. As you're slowly dropping down, Pony goes, oh, heck no, boom. And, and you know, and they are, um, you know, centaurs, which means that they've got a height of about, you know, I don't know, six to eight foot tall. And then they've got to reach on top of that up to like 10. So they, they, they should be able to reach. If they had a spear, they'd be able to poke it out of the field and, and uh you know, and they could put explosives on those too, push them outside the field, detonate them, and they'd be safe inside. God, you know, I'm just I'm just imagining like like these things being evil but having a sense of humor. It kind of reminds me of the Mars attacks aliens, you know, where they're like yeah. they're blowing stuff up and laughing about <laughs> it and when they first show up, they, they like walk out. They go, "Friendship is magic." <laughs> <You know? laughs> they just start mowing people down. I, I think you're right. I think the best way of playing this game would be as as goofy as possible. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking down at the, at the various weapons, and it looks like one tactic is to drop things on them, big things like buildings. Well, yeah, if they can't get out of the way, then yeah. Oh yeah, Animals, that would work. Anvils. Yeah, yeah, that would work. anvils. So it's like a cartoon, <laughs> a big old acme anvil. Ooh, there you go. In Scotland, they have the caper core. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, hand the hand, hand the caper combat. <laughs> I can see it now that you know in the Pony Afterlife. <laughs> Let me get this straight. You got beat to death with a telephone pole. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a big pole. It was a big pole. Yes, I know what a caber is. I've seen them throw them at Michigan Renaissance Festival. No, no, no. no. That's, what, that's what the pony's saying. The pony's saying the other one. It was a big pole. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Very heavy. Oh, man. Just, the, yeah. the guy threw it at you, yeah? The guy with the, with the yeah. skirt on. It's a kilt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, happened to you and when the you tree would that. stop the shotgun fire. And any sword use. <laughs> I wonder, yeah. can, can they can they crank their field up, Richard? Um, never thought about it. Well, you know, again, these are a highly technological group, so therefore, there's no reason why they can't have varying devices. I mean, ones that are bigger, smaller. Uh, remember in the uh, uh, the early uh, books of the Perry Rodan series, he had this force field that was all you know that kept everybody at bay. And uh, unfortunately, what happened was that they stood on the very outside of it and just started just pounding on this force field. Uh, when he finally was able to retrieve the aliens and say, "Okay, this is my problem," they said, "Well, why don't you just attach a power source to it and boost the the force field?" And when they and he said, "Oh, really? I can do that." And they unscrewed a part on the end of it and attached a, a power source to it and cranked it up a little bit. And the force field just started moving out and in and just started knocking their fortifications over and literally pushing the tanks upside down and and over hills away from it. And then he retracted it back to the normal spot before it it basically overpowered and, and burned out. So yeah, you could have you know the ability to overdrive uh, the force field temporarily. I mean that's, I mean that's imagine how they survived the nuke on, on Gary, Indiana. Uh, basically, they just cranked it up. To, they cranked it up to eleven and let and let the nuke go off. It could be that it could be that the the reason why it's mushy because well if it didn't it'd be airtight and they would then suffocate. So they actually have to make it mushy to let air in. 
Well, it has to be pretty. It has to be still a, an awfully good filter because it keeps out fallout. It keeps out poison gas. So you know, it's it's maybe mushy, but it's still you know selective. You know, it's well. I'm saying we're talking like you know uh, micron filtration going on, which is perfectly reasonable with super science like this. Yeah, or it could be that they you know they leave it on the on the high end, get the heck out of Dodge, out of the area, and then they turn it back down to Mushy again. Yeah, I don't know. So let me ask you this: Do they do they have to turn it off when they walk into a building? Um, no. Or is it because they're moving slow that the building's allowed to pass through the force field? The force field squeezes with them. Okay. This is technology with no downsides here, guys. Okay. <laughs> it's Mary Sue technology. Uh huh. Yeah, whatever you need, whenever you need it. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts. Because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me... Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.